I am Andrea Butcher, and this is Being at Work. Being a leader is hard. So on this show, I set out to talk with experienced leaders to learn from their pivotal moments, how they led through the challenges we can all relate to but are often unheard. Today's guest is Jessica Nicoy. Jessica serves as the president and CEO of the Etica Group. Her professional background includes business operations management and hands-on work with architecture, engineering, survey, inspection, which she has used to lead Etica Group's operations since 2008. Amongst many other awards recognizing their efforts, Etica Group has been named one of the best places to work in Indiana in 2020. Jessica is also the president of NABO, the National Association of Women Business Owners. During our conversation today, Jessica will share a pivotal moment in her career that taught her to trust her gut. She'll highlight the value in thoughtful decision-making and how important it is to listen to what your gut is telling you in the process. Check it out. When I went to college, I thought, well, I'll be an engineer and follow my dad's footsteps and started down that path and just did not like it. And so I ended up graduating Purdue with a small business degree. And I actually did work for a couple engineering firms and, and um, in sales and yellow pages and then moved over to operations. And while I was pregnant with my twins, got laid off and um, kind of sat back and waited. And my father and two of his friends from a previous company decided to start Etica Group. And asked me to come on and be part of their marketing and business, do all kind of the background items that need to happen in running a business, not the forefront design stuff. That seems to be probably the fun part, but you know, all that business stuff behind there. So I did that part time for a while and kind of like, you know, slowly grew into a full time position. And one of the partners left in 2008. And so it was natural progression that I bought in and became 51% owner and you know, I've been leading the company ever since. What is your favorite part of your job? It sounds probably sick and twisted, but the, the fun part is the challenge. There's a daily challenge and granted, yes, it, everybody who has, is business owners and those that lead a lot of people, it, you feel like you have a headache all the time, but it is the challenge. So it does make it fun. It's problem solving is what it is. And then that's all you do is problem solve. But um, it's really having the challenge to do it. Like I said, it probably is a sick and twisted way to think of it. Well, no, you you know, if you look at when leaders are at their best, if you look at the literature and the research, yeah, it's when they're faced with a challenge because that gives us something to, to lead through. Right. And like right now with COVID and everything going on and you've got employees working from home and you've got employees in the office and people, you know, for us, we have people in the field. We went from having four offices to having basically 65 overnight because everybody working from home. And so it is a challenge. I mean, you're, you're thinking constantly about computers and, you know, internet bandwidth and all those types of things. And does everybody have everything they need at home? And if you need to get in the office, should you go to the office? What's the procedure to go in the office? So there's a lot of that. It's, it is it's right now. Everybody's problem solving. Well, and as you lead through challenge, particularly the challenge you just described, what are the behaviors or the attributes that help you to lead through the difficulty? Well, one is, I mean, people always say, you know, you look at everything logically. So you have all the data and the research and especially now, you know, you're, you're looking at cases and you're looking at what the CDC saying and things like that. But 
when you're putting a plan together, A, you have to go with what your gut is. And, and that's, that's a huge thing for me because there are times, you know, we've looked at what data says or what research we have found. It says that it says A, but my gut may be telling me, yeah, it, it is A, but there's a combo of B and C in there. And we may need to go more towards like a BC type solution. So it is really following your gut. It is following the data, following your brain, but it's, for me, it's more so my gut. I just, I get a feeling and I don't know. I feel like I'm, I copy that off of NCIS and Mark Harmon always says that he follows his gut to solve something, but it, it is true. You have a pivotal moment in your career that really taught you the value in trusting your gut. Yes, I do. Tell us about that. Well, we had, um, there was a large project with a large client in Indianapolis and we had asked to participate and in our world, we're on, we team a lot with other consultants and we were asked to team with a consultant. We of course said, yes, it came down to another group of consultants asked us to team and being a woman owned business, you know, your goal is to be on as many teams as possible because you're generally only getting 8% of the project. And we really don't like to be exclusive on projects. It's not beneficial. It's not beneficial to the client or anything like that. So the second team that asked us to team had asked us to go exclusive. Um, and this was before the RFP had come out. And we just told them, we're like, well, we need to kind of wait and, and look and see what the RFP is. You know, the client generally doesn't like for minority and women-owned businesses to be exclusive. Um, so it's just not a practice that we do. And, you know, they were, they were pushing me and pushing me. And, and the day that the RFP came out, they wanted to solidify the team. They were asking me to go exclusive, not at the 8%, but at a 4%. So they cut my percentage in half, wanted me to go exclusive. And I told them, I said, if you're asking me to go exclusive, you need to give me more like 20 to 30%. And of course I got, well, you're crazy. And I had a gentleman call me and he basically badgered me. He's like, you need to make a decision on whether or not you're going to team with us. And we want you to be exclusive. So you need to call that first teaming partner and tell them that you are not teaming with them. And I repeatedly told him, I was like, I can't do that. I have already committed to this team and we have a longstanding relationship and I'm not going to do that. And he said, well, I, I want you to do that. If you want to be on our team, you need to. And I said, you know what? Then it's not worth it to me. It just really isn't worth it to me to be on your team. And he proceeded to tell me what a mistake I was making, how I was irresponsible, that I should be doing what he said, and kind of was basically badgering me into this. And I finally just told him, and I'm glad we were on the phone because I don't know I would have had the courage to do it face to face, but we were on the phone. And I just said, look, this is my business and I have to do what's best for my people and the mouths that I feed. And I don't feel that being on your team is what's best for my business. And with that, he hung up on me and did not speak to me for two years. So I, I really went with my gut on that. And in, and in the end, they did not win. It was team one that did win, but I went with my gut on it. I just did. You know, if I would have dropped off that team, even with them saying, you know, I'm good friends with this person and that person, and we've been told we're going to get this just didn't feel right. So just trusting my gut on that, um, has really paid off. It really has. Well, and I'm surprised that a business leader would call another business leader and put that much pressure. I mean, is that common? Were you surprised that he was pressuring you like that? Not really. What we, what I do, what my business is, it's, it's in a man's world. 
So it makes it a little different. And especially being a minority and woman owned business, when you're first starting out, you're generally accepting any project that you can be on so you can grow and develop. But as you get more developed, you kind of start selecting what you want to be on. You can be, or I guess you can be more selective and make sure it's the right fit for you. So is that why he he felt like it was okay to cut the percent, your percent from eight to four? Yeah, he had another woman-owned business on there. And so he wanted two of us versus one. He was trying to cut a deal. He knew we had the expertise. We had just finished a project very similar. And so he knew we had the expertise. So he wanted us on there to secure a win for him. Well, so clearly like that did not feel right to you. Correct. Appropriately, that did not feel right for you. Yeah. And that's not the first time it happened to I mean, it's not the first time I've trusted my gut and said, I don't feel comfortable teaming with this person. We need to go over here. So how did that all play out? You said you didn't talk to him for two years. I would see him at events and he would look at me and turn and walk the other way. How was that for you? I just was like, eh, okay, if that's the way we're going to act, then go. I mean, I would smile and wave at him. It wasn't like I was purposely ignoring him. I just went about my business. Doesn't sound like it consumed you or took a lot of energy. No. Why, why waste your time? And it happens. People get their feelings hurt. It is what it is. We've taken a, taken a stance that if we don't get a project, something doesn't go our way, we give ourselves about 24 hours. We get 24 hours to be upset and revisit what you did, but then you got to move on. You just have to move on. You can't stay mad about it. Well, and you had a clear why. You said to him, this is my business. I want to do what's best for my team. I have all these mouths to feed. So you had a clear why, right? So I think it's easier to say no to something when you've got that clear why. It is. Yeah. How did, how did that help you with that? It just, you know, put my, I mean, obviously you submit a proposal and then you have to wait to see who's selected. So for, you know, two months while you're waiting for the selection, you know, it's pins and needles, but once it was selected, you know, I still had the faith and, and trust in my gut that I did the right thing. And it is my decision. I mean, ultimately, as a business leader, when you make a decision, you better stand by it because that's the decision you made, whether it's right or wrong. Whether your decision's right or wrong, you've stuck with it. You've made that decision. It is what it is. You got to move forward. Now, you may have made that decision. It might have been wrong and you're going to make another decision to correct it. But whatever you do, stick with it. Don't backtrack. So what are the times in which you struggle with that? Because this, in this situation, I think there's also logic to drive the decision you made. I mean, you know, you have, I mean, there's all kinds of decisions you make on a daily basis. And you always are, are saying, you know, am I making the right decision? Is that, is that the right thing for me to do? I mean, especially when it's like hiring or letting people go. Decisions like that, you, are, you tend to make it a little bit, you try to think about it a lot longer. And some, and in some cases, some of those need to be, be a snap decision, but in others, it doesn't. So th those are the harder decisions, I think. Well, and then making the wrong decision. Like I know as a leader, I've done that so often, but then not, not dwelling on that or. Yeah. And you just, I don't know. There's just something about, I mean, when you're, when you're leading somebody and you're leading a company or a department or whatever it is, and you make that wrong decision, you have to own up to it. You do. And you have to do own up to your clients and be like, we made a wrong decision here, whether it's a design issue or something like that. If you own up to it, people have more respect for you. Well, and listening to you, Jessica, it's, I'm just thinking that how important, like making a decision, taking a stand. 
I know for a lot of leaders, they hide behind, well, you know, I'm thinking about it or they're wishy-washy. I mean, there are things that you, you have to sit back and not fully commit right away, but you've got to be, let me think about this and I will get back to you, but set a time that you're going to get back, not just I'll get back to you in the next whenever. It's, you know, let me get back to you in the next two days. I've got to really sit and think about this. But I mean, I've done that. I've said, you know, I, I, I understand what you're asking or the decision you want me to make, but I need to think about this for a second. Because as a leader, you know, the decisions I make business-wise, I mean, I even look at it. I have to look five, five to 10 steps down the road. If I make decision A, what's going to happen down the road here? That's good. So I hear, so thoughtful decision-making is really important. And then looking down the road, looking at what's, what are the implications? What are the consequences? It's like a chess game. And I don't like chess. I mean, <laughs> you can ask my six-year-old. He beats me at chess. He's in like three moves. Checkmate. I'm like, oh. oh those little brains. They're so good at those things. I don't understand how you don't know how to play this, mommy. I'm like, <laughs> ask me something else. I can play right. that. <laughs> ask me business moves. That's fine. But don't ask me to play chess. But it is, it is almost like a game of chess or a game of checker. You know, something like that where you've got to think, if I do this, how is that person going to react here? And how does that move? Yeah. And then it's, and then is it weighing the pros and cons, looking at the advantages and disadvantages? Is that part of it? Yep. It sure is. It really is. And just, it does. I mean, and you've got to have, and I always tell people too, like you need to surround yourself with people smarter than you are, which people are always like, you're so smart. And I'm like, I, I, it's because I have people way smarter than me that surround me. They just make me look good. Is that something that has come naturally to you? Have you always recognized or, or, or is that something you learned? No, I think I've recognized that. Even my almost 17-year-olds are way smarter than me. I guess you maybe you've heard and things like that and maybe you naturally do it. But I've always naturally had somebody that is better in one talent than what I am. I mean, not everybody's perfect in everything. So you need to work on those strengths. I mean, when we write marketing materials and things like that, I'll put my, as I, as we say, word vomit down and then somebody else, I mean, I just, I, I will word vomit it and give an idea of how I want, what I wanting to say. And then everybody else makes it sound better and prettier and we go from there, but I get my ideas out and then we can massage it later because I'm not perfect in that. That's for sure. Do you let them bring their expertise to it? I sure do. Yeah. Well, there's a, there's a lot of humility in that attitude around surrounding yourself with people that are smarter than you. So going back to the trusting your gut. So you had this pivotal moment that was a big takeaway for you is the value in trusting your gut. Is that something that leaders develop over time? Do you believe? Is that something that comes natural? What are your thoughts on that? I think it's both. I think you are born with it in some cases, but I think you also have to learn it also, but you also have to learn from your mistakes. So I think trusting your gut, if your guts could, your gut could tell you the wrong thing and then you've got to learn from it. So it's a matter of knowing that fine line with gut and heart too, because you can say, I really want to do this, but is your gut really and your brain really telling you that this is the best thing? Yeah. It's making me think of that trust, but verify. It's hard to describe. You know when it happens to you that, oh, my gut kicked in and I am trusting this? Yep. There's something like, oh, there's a feeling deep within that like I need to pay attention to. Correct. 
Well, and so maybe that's the leadership lesson, right? Is just to pay attention to that. And you're not saying like make snap decisions from that. You're saying trust that and and explore it a bit. Right. You know, we purchased another company, um, another engineering firm three years back. And, you know, it took us about a year to come. It shouldn't have taken us a year, but it did take us a year to come to all the final documents and all that stuff. And towards the end, it was, you know, are we sure we're making the right right move. You know, my partners were like, are we sure we're doing this right? Are we sure we're doing this right? And I'm like, I know in my gut, we can make this work. Like my gut kicked in. We can do this. We know how to do this. Yes. We're adding services and things like that, but, but we can do this and it's been great. I mean, there's ups and downs. Everybody has ups and downs, especially now, but it is when you trust it and you know, and I mean, I was looking at facts and figures and accounts receivables and, you know, balance sheets and all these things. And it was all right there. But there were other things that were not on those balance sheets that I knew that had to kick in and I had to weigh, weigh that in there. So you did have, you do have the gut kick in. Yeah. You knew something was missing. Right. The other thing I love about this story, you talked earlier about being in this male dominated environment. And so here, here was this male business leader who was putting a lot of pressure on you. And I know as a female business leader, particularly early, early in my career, I, there were many times I capitulated, you know, I've got this strong male leader encouraging me to go a direction and he's really confident in that. And so it's like, well, even though it didn't feel quite right to me, okay, that's what he thinks I should do. So, so I just appreciate the message for early career female leaders to trust yourself, (laughs) You are, you know, more than you give yourself credit for. Right. And I mean, I, maybe I'm a little bit different. I, in my family, I'm the first girl in 70 years on my dad's side. Oh, wow. 70 years. Uh, yeah. My mom said 70. My mom said that the other night, 72 years. So it's like 70 That's years. That's a lot of testosterone. Yes. And so my dad has four brothers. And what I can tell you is my grandfather and my, my, all of my uncles and my father, they all own their own businesses. So I come from this huge line of entrepreneurs. My mom's dad, they were farmers. So, you know, that's running your own business, things like that. So I come from this huge line of entrepreneurs while in basically a male dominated world, obviously with all of my uncles and everything like that. But I have three daughters. And so, you know, we've, we've told them, you know, you guys can do what you want. You can follow what your heart is and what you think you can do, but also for them to stand up for themselves and make sure that they're there was one is to respect themselves and don't let anybody tell you what you can and can't do and what you're good at and make you feel down on yourself. Like you guys need, they need to understand that they can do it. And so I think it's important for them to see me running a business. And, you know, there's, there's times my husband and I will be talking and I'm like, I don't know what to do here or got a suggestion. And one of our twins who are seven, almost 17 will pipe up and like, well, have you thought about this? And I was like, well, no, but thanks. Like you're 17 and I'm not sure if your idea is going to work or not, but apparently it is, but I don't really tell them that right now at this age, but you know, it's just teaching them too, that they can lead, they can do a business. And I see them, you know, doing group projects or whatever it is, they take the lead on it, and which I think is great. So I think it's just building and instilling leadership in them too, um, for the next generation. And that they feel safe saying, hey, have you thought about this, right? Because whether or not it's a good idea, the fact that they feel like this is an environment where I can share my voice, like that's huge. You've clearly, you've clearly modeled that for them. Well, and they, they take classes where it's a lot of boys in their class. 
I have one that's taking computer science classes and it's, it's all boys and like two girls. And so for her to be able to speak up and say, this is right. And she even had that in our class last year. She said, you're doing this wrong. And the boy said, no, I'm not. And she said, well, if you do this, this and this, it'll work correctly. And he, of course, went and did it and it worked. And that was not very pleasing to him. But I mean, it showed her she had the confidence to say, look, this needs to be corrected. And so she sees that from me. Well done, mom. You're modeling the way there. I tried. They would never admit it, though. <laughs> of course not. Which is why I never tell them that they're generally smarter than I am. So, okay. <laughs> Well, your example is evident in their behaviors. And just like that example, her feeling safe and encouraged to tell him he was doing it the wrong way. I mean, that, that says something about her trusting herself. So it makes me proud. So we've taken this trip down memory lane as you started with little shift after school and then joining the business and it turning into you leading the business. And if you could go back and offer Jessica any advice early in your career, what would it be? It would be listen to your, listen to yourself. Like you need to listen and know that you can do things. I mean, everybody was asked that question. If I could go back to my 22 year old self, and do that, what would you tell yourself? I don't know. In some cases, you've got to learn your lesson. So I don't know that I'd really tell myself to, to do anything different. When I think back way, you know, what I did in college and, and all that stuff. I mean, I've got a pretty, it led me to have a really good life and have that experience. So I don't know that there's much I changed except for, you know, trust yourself. You can, you can do it. You can do it is what it is. Because I mean, there are times, I mean, everybody knows you sit there and you're like, man, I don't know. I'm going to be able to make this. Like, I don't know if I can go tomorrow, you know, or whatever, but um, not in a bad way, but just, I don't know if I have the energy to do this tomorrow or can't uh, Monday be Friday and we start the weekend really quickly type thing. But, um, but yeah, I mean, just trust yourself and know that you can do it. You can do it as long as you put the effort into it. You got to put effort into it. Well, those have been the themes throughout our entire conversation, from your story to the things that you're instilling within your daughters, I mean, to the advice you'd give. Respect yourself, trust yourself, you can do it. And you're going to learn a lot in the process. That's another thing that I hear in your story. There's always life lessons. Always. Even at 40 plus, I won't say how old I am, but even at that, you're still learning life lessons. I mean, it's not going to change. Yep. We are all works in progress, aren't we? <laughs> we are. I need a person who is perfect because I want to meet that person. Uh, how boring would that person be? I know. <laughs> I know. That's so good. Well, Jessica, thank you for sharing these insights with us. Thoughtful, thoughtful decision-making, right? Paying attention to what your gut's telling you and then check it, checking it against the evidence that you've got in front of you. If our listeners want to connect with you, Jessica, what's the best way to do that? best way would probably be through LinkedIn and just send me a, a message through there. And it's uh, Jessica Nicloy, N-I-C-K-L-O-Y. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast to never miss a being at work story.